Beth, Hello. Can you, can you hear us now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, there you go. It was on our end. Yay. Yay. All right. I'm an idiot. Yeah, it's true. He is. <laughs> okay, we got all the recording we need. We can go home now. <laughs> I'm just going to cut yeah. that and loop it. <laughs> we found our soundtrack for the Christmas party. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to put that to a to a beat. Are you? I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Yeah, you really could, couldn't you? Oh, <laughs> uh, he's going to. You wait and see. <laughs> is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Banter, banter. Oh, look at that conflicting banter. That's right. <laughs> uh, you guys didn't go to rehearsal, did you? No. Nope. It's going to be a feisty day. Uh, my name is Rob Minot, and joining me today, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Hello. Mr. Steve Barkley. Hello there. And Ryan, we have a very special guest. Uh, would you like to introduce our special guest we do have a special guest how many times can we say special this episode hmm? 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 are we making it a special episode <laughs> <laughs> this week on a very special, very special episode <laughs> of oh my joining us today is a longtime listener of the show miss beth or aka snow bunny that's right hello everybody hello thank you for joining us oh great to be here Oh, it's about time we've got you on. We've been trying for a long time, so. Yeah. Okay. Have you really? Long time listener? Really? Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's, so what's, yeah, what's what? your problem? Yeah. <laughs> why, wow. Why, why don't you have better things to do? There goes Beth. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> hey, at least you got a real life girl. <laughs> Beth has been emailing us. From time to time, over the past, well, almost almost the entire length of our podcast run, the earliest message, about, I had, mm-hmm. yeah, the earliest message I had from you that I could find was back in September of 2017. So, thank you for sticking with us so long, and I wanted to get you on. Oh, as you're a welcome. Guest host. I enjoy every podcast. I look forward to them. Everyone really, every <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> even we don't enjoy everyone. <laughs> Yeah, if we had posted the anniversary show, that number might be a little bit, a little bit different. That might be our best show ever. I don't, I don't know. Maybe some people, I guess, could maybe argue that. If you, yes, the, the people who enjoy watching, you know, car accidents and NASCAR races for the crashes. That's right. The anniversary show never saw the light of day, and probably mm-hmm. never will. There was tequila. Oh well. Yeah, there was too much tequila. Ugh, oh, okay. <laughs> we digress. We're digressing. Well, you know what? Let why don't we just start? Just uh, give us a little bit of a snapshot of who the heck Beth is. Where, where, okay. Where, where are you? Where are you? I am in Virginia, and we are getting pretty chilly down here, especially for this time of year. I have a lot of hobbies, including technology, of course, reading fiction and nonfiction. 
helping out with church music. I'm just into everything, and I'm curious. I love to learn new things and try new things. Now, what, is, what exactly is your vision condition? I have a vision condition which started when I was, well, I guess it started from birth, but by the time I was a year old, I was totally blind. It's uh, retinopathy of prematurity, okay. and that was the oxygen thing, which I'm sure just about everybody has heard of, yeah. that I was given oxygen and it did a number on my retinas. I was such a preemie that they had to do that in order for me to survive, so here I am. And I have been learning about technology from, well, gosh, it, I started out learning the Perkins Brailler and then the typewriter, and then I had the, um, uh, I never had the Braille and speak. I know a lot of people did, but I, I had the Braille light. I've had humanware stuff. I've had, I now have the Braille edge and I have a PC running system access. Mm. So as you can see, I just got an iPhone recently, which I'm that's interesting. I'm enjoying it, but there are some things that drive me crazy. <laughs> but um, I, I've just always been into technology stuff. So let me ask you this, and I always ask anybody, whenever we have a, um, you know, somebody who's worked in the industry for, for a long time, um, but especially I like asking this question to people who have been using it uh, for a long time, mm -hmm. is just how do you feel that things have changed over, over the past, say, 10 years because, you know, our feeling being having worked in the industry is just that there's been this, this sort of this light year jump um, in the quality of, of the type of technology that's available um, since the advent of the smartphone. Um, is that kind of your impression as well? Yes, it is. Uh, there certainly has been a really substantial leap forward in technology use. And I would also say that it's not just for the blind and visually impaired. You have now with maybe computers too, but I believe with the iPhone especially, you have the uh, the gaze that people who cannot use their hands, they have sight, but they can gaze at the screen and it will do their bidding. And I mean, there's just been low vision stuff, Braille stuff. There, there has been a lot of change in the past 10 years. And, and I think most of it has been in the phone field, yeah. both Apple and Android. Now we have some of these other phones like the Smart Vision 2, and there's another one whose name I can't think of off the top of my head, but there are, there are smartphones now which are being made specifically for blind users. Right. Yeah, Blind Shell was another one. Yes, that's it. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, the whole... I think wearables is sort of the next uh, the next frontier uh, in terms of what do you of, see happening with it? Do you, I was just listening to a podcast this morning about uh, Google Glass. They were interviewing somebody from Google, and it was um, talking about the Google Glass, and it's still available, but only for enterprise right. settings. Right. And of course, we don't know what's going to happen with consumerism, but. What do you guys think? Do you think that's going to, it sure didn't take off when it was first introduced to consumers? I think it was a little, a little ahead of its time still um, when, they, when they tried to launch it. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that it has huge potential in terms of, of being a platform, um, especially, especially for something that's, that's AT-based. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, that I think there's a lot of potential there. I think they're really just trying to figure out what, what to do. Well, and I think I, we're going to see a game change. I think it's next year or 2021 when Apple's supposed to be yeah. releasing their 
their uh, right. AI glasses as well. Oh, I've so, heard. Yeah, and you know, Bose is releasing a new set of um, their frames glasses next year that are going to have a camera built in as well for those people oh my using, goodness. using Ira. They've got a partnership with Ira. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I think next year or the year after, we're going to see an explosion. The RNI, RNIB Tech Talk podcast, the re- most recent one that I'm now listening to, was saying that the public is real scared of camera, but if they, if they use the word sensor or something else rather than camera, it might go over better. Right. Yeah, it, it is true. I mean, that, that was some of the pushback that, that the Google Glass got early on was, was privacy concerns. People really didn't like mm-hmm. this idea that somebody could be wearing a, pa- a pair of the glasses <clears throat> and be taking pictures and you would, just wouldn't know it. It's a high-resolution optical sensor. <laughs> I like it. Better known as a camera. Let's run it. Let's run with it. That's right. And, and they're not so much concerned, like with me wearing them and my privacy. It's me taking pictures of other people. Right. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so sure, you sure. know, you don't have consent to take pictures of the public. Sure. Right? But you know, the, the, there's a there's a lot of ways that you could address that. I, I guess. Um, but I mean, I just think in general, it was just it was just too far ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Yep. People weren't mm-hmm. ready for wearables. I think that the the, the atmosphere now is much more um, friendly to the idea of wearables, and we're seeing all kinds of wearables, and you know everything from um, you know virtual reality platforms that are being um, leveraged for for AT purposes. Um, we've got what, what's the Iris Vision, right, Steve? Yep. The Iris Vision uses uh, the the Samsung VR. Yep. The Gear um, VR platform. You know, and you know that, and that's sort of a, a low vision uh, aid. Um, but you know, you've got the the OrCam stuff. Um, there's there's all kinds of of um, manufacturers out there that are actively trying to push this idea. But I think that we're just, you know, we're not quite there. The tech isn't quite there yet to make something that's going to be lightweight that's not going to stick out like a sore thumb when you're wearing it that's going to be comfortable to wear for extended periods of time i mean that's the big thing with the with the using the something like the samsung vr any vr helmet uh you know you wear it for an hour or so and you're kind of done like it's it's not super comfortable your head gets really hot and I think, you know, the, the technology also has to come into the realm of fashion as well, right? Sure. You know, we, we saw a lot of smartwatches come out before they started to get kind of sexy and people started to, uh, you know, use them a little bit more. And I think the same's true of the, the Google Glasses. The Google Glasses were car- sort of, you yeah. know, this nerdy construct that you slapped on your face, but, you know, you couldn't wear your own glasses and have the experience. So, right. And I think a lot of people, you know, think of, think of how long it took you to pick out your last pair of glasses. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, and that's the other thing they said on the podcast, that people are might be saying, well, gee, what do I do with my glasses now? When do I get to wear those? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, so probably the solution for that would be some, also something that you could just attach to an existing pair of glasses. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, but I, I really do feel like that's that's where we're going to see the next leap. Um, you know, that and, of course, like stuff like, you know, automated automated cars. I think that's going to be the, the real a real leap forward for for uh, people with disabilities um, in terms of the, the potential there for for some real, real freedom of movement. But I don't remember where I read this, but. I read that it will be, and I, I don't remember how long they said, but 
in the coming years, we will not use keyboards anymore. We will use our voices to for computer use, for phone use. What do you guys think about that? You think that's coming? Yeah. I, I think ultimately it is coming, but you're going to have to break an entire generation of their typing lessons. You know, I don't, I don't <laughs> compose well by voice. I had a, I had an accident uh, a number of years back where I, um, I, I, I ran afoul of a power tool and uh, uh, cut up the fingertips on two fingers on my right hand, and I'm right-handed. Um, so I was uh, basically unable to type for for a while. And uh, I, I started using Dragon, and you know I'm I'm good at using Dragon. I, I've been training people in how to use Dragon since version one of Dragon, and uh, you know it's it's good, high quality voice recognition. And as soon as I could type again, I ditched it because I don't compose that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you know, I'm I'm kind of the same way. Like if I was to try to compose. Um, a letter or an article or something strictly by voice, I, I think that I'd be stammering a lot. I'd be the the your 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 the way that you think is is different when you're sitting looking at a at a cursor and you're on a keyboard uh, as opposed to trying to dictate that. Well, it, and you know how tedious you know dictating can be. Like, can you imagine trying to navigate a spreadsheet using your voice? And entering formulas and jumping from cell to cell, like the natural yeah, language process isn't, isn't there yet, you know, to support all these applications. Yeah, so that's a tricky one. I mean, I, I think that I think that it will it, it will it's coming in terms of an option for different things. I mean, certainly, you know, I, I think any of us would love. Well, I mean, I just I watched Ryan <clears throat> compose an email through voice, you know, just earlier on. And I mocked him for it, but, um, <laughs> but, it, but it's, so, it, you know, it's already there to, to, to a degree and it would be nice, you know, when you're texting and stuff, I mean, all that, it does come in handy and it would be great if they could refine that technology to be like close to say 98, 99% accuracy. Yeah. Like Apple, would you please get Siri to do much better at that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Apple. Oh my goodness. It's bad. I speak clearly, but Siri just, she sometimes just, more than sometimes, she doesn't understand me. Yep. Yeah, it's a real problem. It's, it's, it's just a pain. And in a way, I'm a little bit, it's kind of nice to see Apple drop at least one ball occasionally because, um, you know, they're so <laughs> on the on the money with everything else. But, yeah, that's something that they really need to, to be. Oh, uh, they need to, to do a lot with it. Siri. But they can only save the world one one thing at a time, I guess. Yeah. I guess it does. It does open up a whole new window for uh, politicians, though. In the future, it's like no, 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 no. That was that was a voice recognition error. Yeah. <laughs> 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 now, of course, when you're doing voice recognition, you can. I, I've never done it with uh, Dragon, but I'm. I believe you can say scratch that. It's not. It's not as if it's written in stone and you can't correct it with your voice. It's just probably slow yeah i think so i mean yeah it's just again it's one of these technologies that i feel that that is we're close but it's just, mm -hmm. it's not quite there yet um, yeah look at brian hartgen and the jaws i've never used it but the jaws what's it called jay say yeah and honestly that's that's been around for quite a while has it oh yes for yeah. years yep. Now has that 
Ryan, have you have you played with that recently? Has it yep. really evolved in terms of it, it's much? I know they've been updating it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it supports a lot of applications, you know, a lot of the Microsoft applications, as well as some third-party stuff that, you know, Brian has created as well, support for. So just, um, sorry, just, just for people who, who maybe aren't aware of it, just what, what does it do? JSA is a piece of software that bridges JAWS and Dragon, naturally speaking, together so that you can actually, as a blind person, take full control of your computer and applications and use your voice to, to do everything, from composing email to creating documents to navigating the web, um, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, now keeping that in mind, um, it sounds great, but there's a lot of commands to learn. There is. Yeah, a lot of lot of verbal commands to learn to control and navigate, and uh, it's got a very steep learning curve. So we yeah. we generally only use it for people who have a physical disability in addition to a visual impairment. Right. Not only that, but I suppose it could get. Of course, you'd be grateful for it if it's the only way you could do it. But you could get tired of hearing yourself say down one, down one, down <laughs> one yeah. for going down a line, whatever the command is. Yeah, there's there are shortcuts as well that you can maybe go you in can and yeah I was gonna say maybe you can say skip five lines you but can. if you're totally blind how do you know how many you want to skip so True. yeah yeah no there's definitely a, a learning process to proficient voice dictation but I mean I see I I would think that certainly as the idea of the smart home gets you know more ubiquitous um, I think that. What did I win? What did I Rob, win? Rob, Rob used the surprise word. It's ubiquitous. That's <laughs> ubiquitous. Oh. Okay. That's right. Third caller in wins a pair of tickets to Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so the, the more that we see that the idea of the smart home um, being pushed, um, I think that the whole voice command thing, I think, is going yes, to come along Yes, that would be the it. place it would really shine. That's right. Because I mean that's been a that's been a sci-fi component for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know this idea mm -hmm. of being able to control the, your computer w completely with your voice, um, or being I'm able sorry, to. I'm sorry, Dave. I cannot do that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people in Starfleet uniforms right now. You know, <laughs> drooling at the idea that they could have that. Just just imagining Ryan dealing with Hal. Okay, Hal, format. C colon backslash forward slash U. <laughs> okay, dude. <laughs> but you know, you wonder, I wonder if Hal was the forerunner in thought of everything we have today. You know? Do you suppose that that's possible? Mm, no. No, not really. Because there, there was or, or Jordy, whatever. Yeah, there were no. There was tons of sci-fi out before that that, uh, that had voice-controlled computers and such on it. So I wouldn't say but, so. I think it's the first one that made it to mainstream media, maybe. But but I, I don't think that would be very popular with the public, given what's been going on with the A Lady and maybe yeah. others as well, with the listening in on things that people didn't want. You know, into. every time, every time we have these privacy discussions, I, I think back to like, you know, five years ago, then 10 years ago when people made, you know, a, 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 a stink about different privacy concerns and just eventually just people learned to just be like, eh, you know, 
Like if you think well, you all know, you got to do is is mute your a lady or whoever it is you got. Unplug her if you want to. Yeah, but that's inconvenient. <laughs> and and honestly, like people, I think eventually people just won't do it. They'll just be like, ah, you know what, whatever. Like people, we, I think if in, if the last ten years has shown us anything, it's that people will give up their privacy in order for convenience. Yep. And eventually they will become more comfortable with something that they vowed, you know, years ago that they would never do. I have Amazon Echoes in almost every room in this house, and I've never once muted them. They're always on and listening. Yeah. And it's just so I can turn lights on and off, or I can listen to music or whatever, right? Yeah, but now Putin knows everything we're doing. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I like Putin, too. <laughs> So I don't know, like, I, I think that eventually, like, you, you come up with something shiny enough, um, people will will forego their privacy in order to, um, you know, indulge in whatever, whatever piece of technology we're talking about. So, you know, I, I do think that in that sense, going back to the, the Google Glass um, discussion, I, I do think that it, people would be a lot more comfortable with this idea of this camera mounted on on the glasses than they were. I mean, I think that there would there would still be people who would make a stink about it, but I don't think it would have the the momentum that it it did whatever it was 5 years ago. So, people are ready. People want the next thing. And I think wearables is is where it's going to be. It would be interesting to actually see what the biggest piece of tech sold after this Black Friday weekend, Cyber Monday would be. Oh, yeah. You know, if it's smart home devices or, you know, just kind of where that trend is. Yeah, well, you know, I think that the, you know, uh, Google was was very smart. Uh, so was Amazon, you know, early on. I mean, look at how much they, they just wanted to get these devices into people's hands. Mm -hmm. um, you look at, uh, you know, them, them teaming up with Spotify and giving away mm -hmm. minis. Yeah. Um, you know, b dropping the price down dramatically over the past, um, you know, few holiday seasons. I mean, I remember there was there was that brief point of time where they were down to like thirty bucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could get a home for you know, and they're regularly what eighty or something. So wow. you know, and that was just a push to get them out there because they just wanted them everywhere. So um, you know, and I think at this point they probably are. I mean. Yeah, I go to people's places, and and uh, most everybody I know has a as a smart speaker of some sort. What do you guys think today is the best assistant? The G lady, the A lady, the S lady? What? Which one? I have a Google Home Mini, and I have, like I said, Echoes throughout the house, and I think it really depends on the task that you want to perform. Um, you know, our, my smart lights in the living room, Spotify, I find work for me better on the Amazon Echoes than they do on the Google Home Mini. Yet if I'm looking for maybe some directions or some sp more specific information, I find Google, you know, is, is vastly better just because of Google's huge database of information. Hmm. Is is she better at understanding you also? I don't really. G-Lady? Yeah. No, I think they're about the same for me. I don't really have any issues with that. 
Yeah, see, I have, a, I have an issue with mine because I, I, I have real problem saying the word Google. I, I think I need to go to speech therapy for something. I remember the first episode, one of the first episodes we, uh, Google, 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 Google. we actually recorded, we were doing a story on the Google Glass. And I have a hell of a time getting through that, okay, trying to read Google. this. Stu- yeah, really. Google, I like, Google, honestly, Google like Glass. I'm like that old yeah. Polish lady. I feel like sometimes, and sometimes it does not recognize me. I have to say it like three times. <laughs> So I don't know. I may have to see like some sort of a speech OT or something. Well, that's kind of the nice thing with the Amazon Echoes is you can change the trigger word, right? From you know, a lady mm-hmm. to echo or But computer. you can't do that with the rest of them. That right. would be nice. Yeah. Actually, I would love that. So oh, I would change mine to wiretap. <laughs> that's not available. <laughs> hey, hey, oh, Putin. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. You know, let's segue, let's segue this conversation into, into one of these um, stories that I, that I had pulled up for this for this episode um and let's talk a little bit about this turkish startup um that developed this smart cane called the we walk yeah that's interesting yeah it is interesting you know i remember seeing these guys I, i'm gonna have to say two years like this is not a new this is not something no. that, they, that they just brought out they've been working on this for mm-hmm. a while um and i, I want to get your guys's take on this so, Ryan, maybe you, you, you sort of watched uh, Sam from the Blind Life's um, critique of it uh, yesterday. So why don't you give us, give us a bit of a rundown on, on what it is and what it does? Well, the WeWalk is a collapsible or foldable smart cane that has haptics built into the handle. It has a touchpad so that you can control the functionality of the device um, in, instead of pairing it through your phone so you can use it independently has an LED light on it as well, so if you're walking at night, you know, if you might have some low vision, the light might help and people can actually see you coming. But the power, I think, really comes when you connect it to your phone. You have the ability to use the, the Google mapping information to give you directions, look around, see what places are around, and, and you can navigate to those places. Um, what else it has? It has a find your cane, a find your phone. So if you lost your phone, you can actually trigger that from your cane and your phone will start ringing and vice versa. Um, it sounds like the haptics are, are quite strong and there's a speaker actually built into the cane itself. So it actually has its own speech feedback, it sounds like. And it's a little little choppy, a little distorted, but you know, again, it's still clear enough to understand what it is you're swiping through and what your options are. But it sounds, you know... My first caveat with this is why maybe it doesn't have to be paired with a phone but if we're going to have everything with the phone as a hub what happens if something happens to your phone or if you didn't charge it or yeah i don't know a million things could happen to your phone what i wish they would start like the A-Lady, I wish you didn't have to engage with your computer or your phone. Let's have some more standalone stuff. Well, that's the thing with the cane, too, is it does have a charging port. It uses micro USB. So, yeah, if your cane isn't charged, your haptics aren't going to work, right? You've so got a stick. You've got well, a stick. Well, I meant if your phone isn't charged. <laughs> can, can the can the cane, or if something happens yeah, to yeah, your well, phone, yes, you have yeah, to get it repaired. Can you use the cane without the you phone? You can, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well, but I guess with limited functionality. With limited functionality, because yes. I, I'm assuming that Google Maps and all that functionality isn't built into the cane. It's right. using the phone as, as you know, like Beth said, the hub. Right. And yeah. then, 
This sounds to me like a Sunu band, only it's a cane. It yeah, is. Pretty, pretty it much. Is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's exactly what it is. So <clears throat> there's a couple things that spring to my mind. So first would be how heavy it, it must be. It is a pretty thick, bulky cane. If you hold your cane kind of with a pencil grip, which I, you know, I guess is your index finger kind of pointing down the cane, he could potentially see some people having wrist issues. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is, like I said, it is thick. Well, the nice thing, a a lot of things, a lot of times, a nice thing about uh, the cane, mobility-wise, is that it folds up really nicely. It can go in your pocket. Like that's a, that's an important component of. Yeah, this folds up, but this does fold up and comes with a a carrying bag. Um, A lot of canes that we use now, you can actually take the elastic strap and wrap it around the end of the cane to hold the cane together. This one has an elastic strap as well, but it didn't really sound like in in the review you could actually do that. Unless maybe you put a knot in the end of the loop and then struck it over your cane. But that's why they included the carrying bag, so you actually had a place to hold your cane and contain your cane. I see. Here's another thing. I've been ranting to myself about this for years. Now, finally, I have people to listen to me. What, (laughs) what What happens if we make over the whole mobility tool world and instead of having a cane we had a smart jacket well just so you know and i don't know if rob you listened to the gtt toronto meeting i recorded no there is a student who has developed a pair of haptic sleeves it's not necessarily a jacket but their sleeves with sensors on them and they're looking at releasing this product, I think, May or June of next year. Really? But yeah. will it do steps? See, that's, yeah, I'm that's not sure. the I, main thing that I would like something so you don't have to hold. You know, the cane is not a holy grail. The cane is a tool. Right. It's a tool for us to use if we so choose to get around with. Why can't we, in this technological age, why can't we have something else hands-free that we wear? Talk about wearables that would do everything the cane does. Yeah. I I, just don't understand why there hasn't... I mean, I haven't heard of very much being done in that sphere. Is it because O&M teachers are, you know, would would be against it? Is it because blind people would be against it? Is it... What's the deal? Honestly, I think it's partly the haptic technology. I, I feel like haptics is another another arena that hasn't quite been baked yet they're still trying trying to figure that that space out um because all the haptics products and i mean haptics and (laughs) and these buzz things with using infrared not super new like i seem to recall a Mm -hmm. product that we that that we were (laughs) selling for a while um, oh, even before that, ago. I mean, when I started in the industry, I was fixing Moet sensors, which were mm-hmm. essentially the same thing. Yeah, I mean, because you would think, like, it's not like infrared or haptics is something brand new. Mm-mm. I mean, this is this is a technology that's years and years old. It's it's just, so I think that they just need to find the right product that, that just hits that sweet spot and that serves the right purpose. They have it. They already have it. What? What is it? Ira. Well, no. <laughs> if you have an Ira subscription, well, yeah, you've I, got I, Ira I agree with you. <laughs> Ira is terrific, but I'm talking about yeah. a physical tool to replace the cane. 
Yeah, and I don't know, like, I don't travel independently, but when I am using I don't either right now, but I, I just, I keep thinking about this. I mean, suppose you've got, you know, you're holding on to a straw and you've got a bag of groceries in the other hand. Okay, are you going to grow a third hand to hold cane with? Yeah. I, I mean, there, there are so many times when it's not feasible to carry a cane. Yeah. Or a dog. And I think, we'll a dog. S- I think we'll see some um, AI taking over some of that. And again, something's still going to have to be camera mounted or have a camera mounted on something. Or a sensor. Or a sensor or something. something. But you're going to have to have, I would think, voice feedback for some people, haptic feedback for maybe the deaf blind. You know, like there's, I think, a lot of sensor information that is going to have to be gathered so that you have a good picture of what's in front of you, around you. Do you guys think that Ira would one day take over things like this? I mean, no. I did tell them um, that please tell me where there are steps because I cannot feel, believe it or not, I have a very long cane, but I cannot feel a curb. Can't feel it. I can feel a flight of stairs, but I can't feel a curb. So they said they would do that, but I'm wondering if... I just wonder if this could be something that they would consider doing as part of their, you know, not as on request, but if if it became known that people want this. I think that's what's going to happen with Ira um, is the human component of this is going to be eventually removed because I think what's going to happen is that the machine learning and the object object recognition is going to get to a place where it's just going to be a, an algorithm or a program that's just going to be able to, to, to take that image and identify the objects and, and it'll just be an AI. But so it'll be an, an IRA type situation, um, but it's just going to be an, an AI component as opposed wow. a self-standing component as opposed to you have to phone in for an agent. Now, we could be years away from yeah, that. I think you need the real I time. I think we are. Uh, you know, we, we may be a ways away from that, but that's the direction mm-hmm. that that it's going so and i think that even ira recognizes that to a degree because you know they were they they are working on or and they have like an ai component to um the glasses do they not ryan Mm -hmm. yeah they've got their assistant called chloe yeah so i mean that's even something that they're working on so i think that you know deep down they recognize that eventually um it it may get to that place but to get to a point where an ai is as efficient and quick and accurate as a human agent, I mean, we could be talking a while, mm-hmm. but we'll get there, I think. That's an interesting thought. So we just uh, need robots. Future's so bright, we got to wear shades. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel your pain. I think that part of the problem is that, you know, when somebody is hip deep in, in trying to research and develop. A, a haptic product to replace a cane, they must just come up against this wall of, you know what, we're spending all this money and, you know, a stick still is doing the better job. Mm-hmm. How are we going to compete with a stick? Because at the end of the day, you know, it's again, it's like that human component. It's just that nothing gives you as accurate and, you know, efficient, you know, that tactile information as quickly as a cane. And it's, and it's really hard to compete haptically for that. And even the haptic products that are on the market today 
they all say that they their their best use is to be used in conjunction with a cane. Right. Yes. Um, none of them, you know, claim to be replacements for the cane. So again, uh-huh. I think that we're a ways away from that. But I mean, you know, there's all kinds of. I mean, if you think about um, the infrared sensors and stuff, you know, if they could if they could emulate that cane, just using infrared waves with a sensor that maybe you wore on your wrist or something that that was like a really fine-tuned cone of waves that mm-hmm. just basically you're just emulating a long stick that you're just able to do that. You know, maybe that could be something. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I really feel like they're still figuring this out. They're, they're still figuring out how to, how to best use haptics together with with infrared to try to come up with the with the best product. What about ultrasound? Is that has that decreased in in I I thought the um have you guys tried the buzz clip? I think that's ultrasound, isn't it? Yeah, ultrasonic frequencies, the buzz clip, the the sunu. Um, oh, the sunu. Have is, you tried any see, of those? And this is where well yep. this is where I get confused too because okay, so because there's there's all these different terms that and some of them are interchangeable. Yeah, it's not cause infrared. Cuz you got you've got infrared You've got ultrasonic, you've got uh, sonar. That's ultrasonic. Yeah. Yeah. See, but but I just mean you have all these different terms that some are the same thing and some are different, and I think that there's some real confusion, especially with the consumer base for that, which is some of the marketing challenges that I think that these things come with. But yeah, the buzz clip is is infrared. No. 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 Ultrasonic. Ultrasonic. I'm sorry. I think the buzz clip is. I think they. I'm not sure if there are any that are infrared anymore, are there? I don't think so. I think everybody ran into the, the problem with infrared that it, it was capable of shining through glass, and that can be really painful. Right. But have you guys tried any of these things? Yeah, we tried the buzz clip. Yeah, we're, we're the Canadian distributor for the Sunu band as well. So, so I mean, the, the buzz clip, didn't the buzz clip run into issues in the rain? Uh, no, is that a rumor? That, that's uh, ultrasonic in general. If it's raining really hard, your accuracy okay. is. Well, on the buzz clip too, you know, it's a small little clip that, you know, you typically wear on the front of your jacket or your shirt or whatever to kind of get an idea of what obstacles might be in front of you. But, you know, even they recommend one on your left arm, one on your right arm and one on your chest. So you actually get a, you know, a, a virtual field in front of you. Because if it's on your left, it's only detecting what's on your left. See, and again, that, then you might as well just go back to, to Beth's idea about just getting a just developing a haptic jacket. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, if that's if that's really what they're they're suggesting. Yep. So uh, again, like all this stuff is all I think I feel like you know neat and uh, uh, you know an interesting add on, especially if you're if you're a heavy traveler. Um. But. You know, in terms of, of an all all encompassing solution for mobility using haptics, it's just not it's not here yet. What and, about the Sunu? Do you have to wear two Sunus to get a good field? Yes, yes, you do. Everybody should be buying two Sunus <laughs> instead of one. No, one of the nice things about Sunu is because it's on your wrist, you can just angle your wrist. You can just point it in the direction. That oh, you want. true. Whereas uh, buzz clip, if you're wearing it, you're you're essentially turning your whole body to, mm-hmm. to use it. Now they've they've since come out with a, a like a handheld rig, and I think they've got a I think yeah, they've got a cane one to your cane. Well right yeah. So. 
Oh, Buzzclip does? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Remember the laser cane that was out in the 80s, was it? No, but it sounds cool as hell. Yep. I want one. <laughs> yeah, I vaguely remember. <laughs> oh, it was, oh, I forgot the name of the company. It was in Pennsylvania. And I think they're out of business. The whole company's out of business now. But I got to see one at a local, well, pretty local rehab place. And it was cool. The only thing is, again, the laser would give you false positives. Mm, it would yeah. tell you there was something there and there really wasn't. Yeah. And as so, soon as you get one of those, then, you know, it's, you're just going to go back to the stick. It, it just didn't, I mean, I, I, I was fascinated. I, I didn't get one. I tried one there for a while and it just, mm-mm, it wasn't there. Just wasn't there. See, at the end of the day, I guess the, the question that you have to ask yourself is what advantage does this product have over the cane and you know for something like say a laser cane you know what's what can it really do that the stick can't like what's the big advantage of it if it's at the end of the day it's still transmitting some sort of information to you about what's in front of you if it really is doing the exact same thing as a cane why wouldn't you just get a cane well it but see it was supposed to and maybe it really did i don't know but it was supposed to do steps drop-offs over overhead in front, it had three little, hmm. it was like a pad that you put your finger on and you got a vibration in one part of your finger for upper body, the other part for mid body and the other part for low. I see. It, it was a neat idea. Yeah. I think the big problem with the laser cane was that when people were walking down the street with it, they'd get randomly attacked by Jedis, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that must've been it. Yeah, that's probably it. No, my mind went there. Yeah. I just envisioned this cane that looked like a lightsaber that you could just, that'd be pretty cool. Well, you know, it, it so it, I don't know, this WeWalk, see, I, I've, I feel like the WeWalk has a bit of an advantage here, much like the Sunu Band. The Sunu Band, the big thing with the Sunu Band, and we're not going into a sales pitch, but, but, but buy some, www.com, <laughs> but, um, you know they're still developing that product the the you know it's they're building functionality into it as we speak it's it's an evolving product whereas something like the buzz clip it's very you know it's it's very a self-contained one purpose unit and the sunu you know has these things like it had they're they've put map functionality into it just recently they've they put in like a, a place finder that you that allows you to sort of be able to it uses Google ties into Google Maps through your phone and is able to sort of tell you what kind of venues are around you and it gives you the range of where they are yeah. and it'll kind of be able to direct you um, you know it has a compass um, now built into it so they can get your bearings and stuff so there's all these functionality that they're they're continuing to to build into it because it does tie into your smartphone I guess they're able to do that and the WeWalk I feel like is similar. It sounds like, mm -hmm. yep. um, so I think that that's an imp a really important feature for some of these products is that they're able to evolve without having to produce, you know, an entirely new generation of devices. And that said, the Sunu band won't find stairs. No. Mm -mm. Still need the stick. Yep. Or the dog. Yep. Provide, provided you get consent from the dog. 
(laughs) 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 And what about a robot? Seriously, are are they working on some kind of a... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I hope so. They are. Certainly robotics is a a real big field. Um, You know, again, you know, you have to go back to the question, you know, are you ever going to be able to produce something that's as efficient as an actual dog without, you know, it costing $6 million. And, you know, probably in the next 20 years, the answer is going to be no. Um, you know, but they're working on it. I mean, certainly robotic, because, you know, you have to build in, you know, the robotics component, and then you have to build into the, it's the AI component. And I think that there's going to be some real pushback once robotics gets to the point where they're actually able to produce something that can move like an animal or a human. I think people are going to be I freaked out I think Japan is working on, uh, Japanese researchers are working on a robotic guide dog. Yep. <laughs> I really, I yeah, remember we, hearing about that. Yep, That's going to yep. be cute looking. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you, you I, I see articles every now and then about stuff they're doing down at UC Berkeley. There, There's all kinds of robotics projects going on down there. Yeah. And a lot of it, I think, is probably military driven. You know, it's probably mm-hmm. um, military uh, oh, yeah. budget that's going into developing things like this for, you know, battlefield and, and uh, um, reconnaissance purposes. But, um, you know, eventually that spills down into mainstream consumer electronics the same way, you know, the eye gaze stuff did. You know, it was originally developed for, for fighter pilots and helicopter pilots and Mm-hmm. Now, now it's being built into phones. You know? Yeah. And what about going at it from the other direction? I don't remember the name of this, and it's been a few years since I've looked at it because it was just starting out. There's a place in Chicago which has an implant and for your brain, I believe. And this implant, it doesn't matter if you have prosthetic eyes, real eyes, whatever. It will send signals to your visual cortex and people have been able i suppose i can't read a novel but they've been able to read and i i don't know what else they've been able to do with this but what do you guys think about things like that is that have you been seeing anything along those lines was that the brain port no 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 i think that's still around too but no this was it was in chicago Hmm. And I, as I say, right now, I don't remember what it is. I can send it to you guys later, but yeah, I've seen it. I, 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 as I recall, the, the problem with it is that the resolution on it is really low. Um, you, you only get, you know, a few pixels of, of information essentially, but over time that's getting better and better. And, you know, it will at some point, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was an actual artificial eye, but it's a long way from that yet. Yeah. yeah. What about mobility with that? Would that would that be something that so that you could see? It might be artificial vision, but you could see where the obstacles were and where the steps were. Well, I, at I, least to some degree. I, I think back to um, you know my friend Mike May. He got um, uh, a retinal transplant. Uh, years ago, he'd, he'd been blinded in a chemical explosion. Yeah, that's when right. A, when he was a kid, and uh, 
I, I talked to him afterwards because I, I ran into him at a conference and uh, he, he still had his guide dog. And I said, uh, I, I said, you know, do you find you rely on your guide dog less? He says, no, no, I, I rely on it even more because I don't know how to interpret uh, a lot of the information that I'm getting. I, I don't know how to analyze it. So, you know, I might be walking down the street tripping out on this yellow thing and not recognize that it's a school bus headed for me. Jeez. So, so it, it, there, there's more to it than just being able to have that deliverable of an interface to the visual cortex. Mm-hmm. There's also the whole relearning or, or what it's like you know, to see beginning to learn what it's like to see. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, they, they, I mean, they're all doing all kinds of fascinating things with, with the brain, you know, there's the ultimate those, computer. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're doing those stories where they're, they're able to, you know, sort of tap into somebody's motor cortex and somebody who's say, you know, a quadriplegic um, and using that, they're able to say, use it as a, as a computer interface and able to move, say, a mouse cursor around uh, a screen just using that motor cortex of your brain. Um, So there's all kinds of neat stuff. I mean, the the downside of it is it's, it's so far away from any sort of practical use because they literally have to like drill into somebody's head and, you know, put a bunch of wires and interfaces and stuff onto the brain itself. Um, so, but I mean, the fact that you can do it, it, that's the doorway, right? And it's just a mm-hmm. matter of, uh, time and, and energy put into developing the technology to, to figure out how to actually make it practical so who knows you know the next 20 years who knows what's gonna you know what's gonna come out um and i i'm wondering too if this will be slowed down by things like the e-sight glasses which can help so so many people who are not as visually impaired and maybe the same holds true for people who use wheelchairs or or walkers or whatever i'm wondering if it's there are there are fewer people with the more serious physical impairments and visual impairments and i'm wondering if that will slow down that particular research field whereas as i say you can put e-glasses e-sight glasses on someone and wow yeah you know, I'm, I'm constantly, that's why I, you know, that's why we love the podcast and we love talking about it and, and doing research for it because, you know, there's no end to, to stuff that people are working on. You know, we've seen everything from haptic shoes to. Oh, Leckel or however you pronounce it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that, that people are trying. And I mean, that's the really exciting part about about AT right now is the fact that it is getting more traction. More and more people are talking about it, even in the mainstream. And yeah, Leckle's a mainstream. You can get it on Amazon. Sure. And and I mean, uh, there's a lot of people that are just doing home homebrew experimentation, and like just a lot of entrepreneurs that are just like trying some some new ideas in this AT space. Um, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, it was all just, you know, you had sort of the big AT manufacturers and you, you didn't really see a lot of AT startups. And now we're seeing them a lot more. Would you agree with that, Steve? 
Um, we, this industry goes through fits and starts like that. You know, you'll you'll have very little going on. Everything will get bought up by big companies, and then stuff starts sprouting all over the place, and um, you, you get another round of innovation. I've seen it happen two, three times. In, oh yeah, in the time that I've been in the industry, but uh, um, window eyes. <laughs> What, that was one. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that that whole rush when Windows came out to try and have a functional screen reader. I mean, there were a ton of guys working on that. Lots of companies working on that. Yeah, and then Window the Eyes time. has gone bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I worked with uh, Bomb on Screen Power. Uh, we worked Oh, with, I used uh, Screen Power. I love that thing. Yeah. We, uh, of course, were distributors of JAWS. Uh, what was, um, IBM had screen power, uh, oh, um, uh, screen reader two for OS two from, two. from, uh, IBM, uh, window bridge, I think was another one. Yeah. Window bridge from mm -hmm. Dave Costition. Uh, what was the one Albert did in North van? I've lost the name of it now. We were the earlier distributor for that. Um, hmm. can't remember window something hmm. anyways, but, um, and jaws pretty much just killed them all. That, well, ja that, Jaws was one of the the more viable early contenders, but where they really won was on their marketing. They they already had a an established DOS product. They had a good dealer channel. Their dealer channel got their Windows product out out early. They they did a good job of making it functional in the early going, um, and it just it. it grabbed a large piece of market share as a result. Yeah, and don't forget the, I don't know about Canada, but the U.S. government is a big purchaser of JAWS. At least it was. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, you know, again, you know, I think that that um, all these companies are always vying for that, you know, market dominance in, in whatever particular AT solution that they're providing there can be only one <laughs> it seems like it, right like i don't know is you know other than jaws can you point to any other sort of well and you know i'm sure you could talk to just about anybody in the blindness community anyway and they would tell you that jaws is great for a lot of things but you know nvda does abc better or you know window eyes used to do this better or system access did this better you know you know what really this really startled me when i found this out i knew that different screen readers handled a certain whatever website you were on there was a possibility that different screen readers would handle it differently what i didn't know until comparatively recently was that sighted users come up against the same thing different browsers will handle web, a single website possibly differently. Right. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. So we have multiple tools in our toolbox, and, and we need to, you know, in, in the days that we're living in right now. You know, I use both JAWS and MVDA, and I have five web browsers on my computer. You know, I use Chrome most of the time, but there's some sites Firefox renders the page better, you know. So there isn't just one solution for everything anymore. Man, if we straight nope. off topic. <laughs> right, what was our topic? Did we have a topic? We're talking AT. We were, we were talking about AT. a smart cane. <laughs> oh, the smart cane. Yeah. Why don't we, uh, why don't we uh, head on to another news article? Because there's, there's one I really want to get to. Okay, well, which one is that? It's the grabbing one. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, okay. One, one, of my, one of my pet peeves. Oh, boy. 
the hashtag, just ask, don't grab. All started by Amy Cavanaugh. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. We so we talked to we talked to Amy Cavanaugh, mm-hmm. who, who started that whole campaign. And what was interesting about this this news article is actually local to us. Um, there's a, there's a local uh, disability ad- advocate um, who's in a wheelchair. Her name's uh, Bro Winberg, and yes, she actually got so tired of people grabbing the handles of her wheelchair and pushing her around that she installed spikes on the handle of the wheelchair. Um, in order to discourage people from from grabbing them, and the spikes again, they're 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 not. It's not like they're like no, they're not going to cut your hand spikes. off, but no. they look like they might, I guess. It's more they're more like they look like those yeah you know punk rockers used to wear those like dog collars with like a bunch of spikes on them. They more, they more look like that. Um, they're they're dull. They wouldn't actually injure anybody. Oh yeah, no, they wouldn't. Well, they wouldn't cut you, you but it, it makes you think twice. <laughs> Absolutely. She um, talks about the the Twitter campaign that that uh, that Dr. Amy Cavanaugh started out in the UK. Um, so it's nice to see that that is building steam, and you know um, we're hearing st- more and more stories of people actually educating other people i think that's at the at the core of this that's what the campaign is needs to be about is educating the public in terms of just how to react um because and that's where the problem is i don't think you know there are there aren't people that are that you know whose motivations are nefarious or anything now something that that i wanted to relate for my experience, I live in a senior facility, and when I'm walking around the facility, if unless I'm concentrating on something real hard or, you know, I'm talking to, if I'm with a companion, of course, but if I'm by myself and I'm just kind of tooling around, if I hear someone, I will say, hello, and then we'll strike up a conversation. And that way, it just eases everybody into a kind of a relationship as short as it might be. And then I might say, gosh, do you know where the garbage can is? Or I can't seem to find the door where, and that, that, that really does help the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, and it's, you know, again, I think the, the, the magic of, of this campaign is, is it's simplicity. It's just literally like, hey, if you see somebody that you think might need a hand with something, ask them. Like, just go up, start a conversation to say, are you okay? Do you need help? Yes, but I think the person with a disability, and I, I don't know this lady, I'm just talking generally. The person with a disability should start the conversation, even if it's, hi, that, that's enough to, oh, okay, this is a real person. I mean, this person can talk and has a sense of humor and they're kind of nice so i think i'll say hi back yeah i, I think it's, the, i think the campaign was was started because of of she was having a real big issue with literally just people like not even like oh i know no her. i wasn't talking about her specifically i i was generalizing i see okay it's hard to generalize like that though because there's a lot of people who are in chairs that can't talk and um you know, they're, they're also victims of this as well. Uh, and, you know, the, when, when somebody grabs them and starts wheeling them somewhere, they might not even be able to object. 
Yeah, see, that's really scary. That would be really terrifying. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Yeah, even more so than I think than, you know, and I'm sure that, you know, as somebody who's visually impaired, you know, they're, they're waiting for the train or something and somebody just grabs them by the arm and starts leading them somewhere where they think they need to be going or something. That would be scary enough, but I could really understand being in a wheelchair and like just having somebody grab your chair and just grab the push, chair mm -hmm. pushing you. That would be really, really terrifying. Well, that's that's you know the the story that that Bronwyn relates in this article is some guy grabbing her chair and just walking, and she talks to him and he doesn't say anything. She starts yelling, and people just look at their phones. Her, and, yeah. and it yeah. wasn't until she really started screaming her head off that uh, people chased him off. But there's no telling what that guy was doing, yeah. where he was mm -mm. taking her to, you know. So that's and I don't know if this is true. Memory. I've always heard, and I take it with quite a few grains of salt, that people with disabilities are more subject to being crime victims. I, I don't. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that you can have. Have there been studies that really prove that? I don't Insurance. Know. I don't know of any things? studies, but it's certainly intuitively, I would, I would think that that's probably You're definitely more case. vulnerable. But, you know, even, you know, even outside of that, I, I think that you, you, part of the power of this campaign is also a little bit of, you know, empowering people and making them feel like, look, you know, we we are here, we're sharing this space and, you know, we get to to dictate what, what we are comfortable with and what we are not comfortable with. And this is, I think, an attitude that is new in the last say five years like advocacy and the idea of of um you know, even the even the concept of ableism um is is a, a very new conversation that i think is is very important because you know people with disabilities are people too and they they have a, their opinions and they have rights and they have um they have the right to be to be treated the way that they want to be treated as opposed to you know, able-bodied people just feeling like, you know, they can dictate what they can and can't do. Isn't so. it strange, though, that we're having so much of a problem with the wheelchair situation? Because for many years now, we've had curb cuts. Everybody who sighted sees and uses curb cuts. And I would have thought that would have at least brought enough of an education. Oh, that person's in a wheelchair. Okay. I, I'm very surprised that people who use wheelchairs are are having this much of a problem now. I'd be willing to bet 75% of the population don't even know why those curb cuts are there. Yep. So just to circle back on what we were talking about before here, uh, I, I did a quick Google, and uh, there's a World Health Organization report on uh, disabilities and rehabilitation titled Violence Against Adults and Children with Disabilities. And it says... Uh, both children and adults with disabilities are at much higher risk of violence than their non-disabled peers, according to two systemic reviews recently published in The Lancet. The reviews were carried out by Liverpool John Moores University Centre for Public Health, a WHO collaborating centre for violence prevention, and WHO's Department of Violence and Injury Prevention and Disability. These are the first studies to confirm the magnitude of the problem, and they provide the strongest available evidence on violence against children and adults with disabilities. They also highlight the lack of data on this topic from low- and middle-income countries. 
The review on the prevalence and risk of violence against children with disabilities published in July 2012 found that overall, children with disabilities are almost four times more likely to experience violence than non-disabled children. The review indicated that children with disabilities are 3.7 times more likely than non-disabled children to be victims of any sort of violence, 3.6 times more likely to be victims of physical violence, 2.9 times more likely to be victims of sexual violence. Children with mental or intellectual impairments appear to be among the most vulnerable with 4.6 times the risk of sexual violence than their non-disabled peers. So, yep, it's an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clearly. Wow, four times. Yeah. Which circles back to the wearables. What's going to happen when we have a lot of people with disabilities with wearables? Are they going to be snatched? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, you know... That's a really valid point. It's a really valid point. You know, you're wearing a $2,000 pair of Google glasses. <laughs> um, you know, somebody could, yeah, just snatch them right off your head and run away. Hmm. Well, that's- and even today with iPhones, I don't carry mine with me a lot, but if I, if I did, uh, you know, outside of my retirement community here, I, I'd, it ha- I've I've heard of people who have had their phones just blonder sighted. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, Ryan's Ryan's had that happen to him. Yeah, yeah I had one phone go missing. Yeah, somebody go asked missing? him. Yeah, somebody asked him to borrow borrow yeah. his phone oh, and then oh, no. took off with his phone. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. Oh man, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, years ago. Hmm. I wonder what they'd do if he was using voiceover. And that was my Nokia <laughs> Symbian phone, wasn't it? I think it was my Nokia Symbian yeah, well, talks the, on it or something. Oh, it was yours. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it was mine. Yeah. Jokes on them then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the folks are talking to them. And <laughs> <laughs> I can't see the screen and this voice is talking to me. Yeah. I don't know. Anything to wrap up? Any thoughts, Ryan? Interesting no. times we live in and it, it'll be, if we think it's interesting now, I think in five years we'll be looking back at this and saying, Oh my goodness! You mean that? You mean we did that back then? Yeah, I mean, uh, like honestly, we're Hopefully. all old enough. Like I remember, like these weird, seminal moments in technology history. Like I remember a time before, um, even you know, PCs were ubiquitous. Oh, me too. We did everything with our phones, our simple landline yeah. phones, but like mean, bank bill paying. But I, but I remember that space of like three to five years where all of a sudden, like just everybody started to get um, computers into the home. And, you know, and I remember my first home PC. And, and so that moment of like, you just feel like, you know, you're being left forward. And then, you know, not long after that, it was, okay, well, there's this cool thing called the Internet that you can go on, that you can dial up into. Yeah, right? But 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 again, it's these these moments that are like game changers where you're like, holy crap. What, you mean porn is free now? (laughs) What happened? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like there's all these moments. And then, you know. Then music became free? Yep. Yeah, well, that was and the like, movies yeah. became free. And then <laughs> the government there. went, hold on. I wasn't the government, it was Metallica. <laughs> no, but and then but then, you know, everything was sort of on a on a level playing field for a while and then boom, we had this we had the smartphones. And that was the next game-changing technology that really yep. completely 
a computer. Wait, you mean pocket. porn is free and portable? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, here we here we are. I mean, you know, we're we're just waiting for the next one, and whether that's mm-hmm. going to be wearables, whether that's going to be VR. Well, I mean, I guess which is technically a wearable, but um, you know, there there are there are different technologies that I think that are vying for that that space to be the next big thing and I think that it's just a bit of a waiting game to see I'm, I'm which lean, one I'm leaning towards VR and the reason I say that is because as best I can tell porn drives all technology so. well you're not wrong <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> they've it's you yeah know, we're being a little bit tongue-in-cheek but it's kind of true um but yeah we'll we'll, we'll see you know I think that the, the big problem with VR right now is just the, it's the the bulkiness of it I mean, there, there's the new VR set from from uh, Oculus, the the Quest that doesn't. It's a self-contained unit. It doesn't. You don't have wires. You're not hooked into a hmm. computer or anything. But it it runs on on mobile technology. But the downside is that it's the the quality isn't quite uh, the same as if you were hooked into a like something like the the Rift, I think. No, yeah, whatever. The Oculus Rift. Yeah. 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 So. You know, we'll and you can only see. miniaturize so much. Yeah, I guess that's that's the issue, right? Like it's the screens, it's it's the actual and the heat. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. That's what's I, th- I feel like what's really holding that space back. Is the fact that you can only wear those things for about an hour, and then you've you're kind well, of well. Not only that, it. but I mean, you know, even well, think about all the problems with the smartphone batteries. Yep. Battery life is a problem too. Exploding, or getting too hot when they're charging, or when they're being heavily used. See, so here's what they need to do: they need to to make that a feature, not a bug, about the exploding phones, because <laughs> they just need to build a self-destruct into your phone. So if someone steals your phone, you can just press a button and just. Blows their fingers off. <laughs> yeah, like the old Hawaii Five O. Remember that theme for the old, very old. Remember the very old Hawaii Five O show. They had something about. Or oh, was that the that. Is that the show I'm thinking of? No, Mission Impossible. Something about self-destructing. Mission Impossible. You're thinking. Of. Mission Impossible. That's, that's it. right. That's right. This phone will self-destruct in five <laughs> seconds. <laughs> And that'll be the sound clip for this episode of AT Banter. <laughs> <laughs> this episode will self-destruct in five seconds. <laughs> well, speaking of self-destructing, that was a good. That was a good. That was a good episode. Yeah, I thoroughly a... enjoyed it. Thank you guys for having me. Well, thank yeah, you for joining us. Yeah. All right. Hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? In British Columbia, Canada. <laughs> oh, Ryan. You're just, showing off once in a while. You're just showing off for the mixing for it guest. up once in a while. All hey, right. Ryan, what? <laughs> <Not even. laughs> hey, Steve. Yeah. Where can people find us? Oh, right, right here in your guitar dungeon for sure. <laughs> uh, we love. They can also Robin with the cowbell. Bus. They can also they can also find us by email at cowbell at atbanter.com. They can also find us online at atbanter.com. I have nothing to say. <laughs> yes, you do. Because aren't we on some kind of social media as well? Uh, yeah, we are. We are on Facebook and we are on Twitter and we're on Instagram and LinkedIn. Excellent. Now you got to get on Slack. And, uh, oh, we are, we are on Slack. Yeah, we are on Slack. The podcast isn't on Slack, yeah. but the company is. Hmm. 
That's a good idea. Maybe, <laughs> well, maybe, we, should a a, maybe we should create a public AT banter Slack public channel. Public AT banter Slack channel. That's a, not a bad idea. Alrighty. Damn. Start working on that, Rob. Beth needs. <laughs> we need to fire Ryan and fire Beth. Yeah. I'm done. Wait, I'm no, done. no, wait, no, wait, no, wait. Yeah, it's, I take it back. I take it back. It's all his Yay. stuff. It's, <laughs> all the mics and stuff. My last got. day. <laughs> no, I don't know anything about Slack, so you're so you you, you can do that, Ryan. You're you're good. Oh well, all right. Uh, listen, <laughs> Beth, we want to thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute delight having you with us, and let's do this again. Well, thank you. I sure enjoyed it. All right. Well, everybody, that's going to about do it for us this week. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in. Thanks again to Beth. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.